Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, The Miz cashes in. He and Bad Bunny are both champions in the WWE. We break down everything that happened at Elimination Chamber, everything that happened with Bad Bunny on SNL, and we've got more new kayfabe to figure out. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. It's always nice to come off of a pay-per-view with something to talk about. And it's not a given in this day and age. As a matter of fact, I wasn't sure that we were going to have a full show to talk about. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling for the 331st week. Hello, I hope you're well. Happy Monday. Let's start this week off right. Now, last week we did the podcast on a Monday night. It came out on a Tuesday morning, unless you're at patreon.com slash wrestling. Then you got the whole damn thing live. However, for most of you, it came out on Tuesday morning, and we talked about the way Raw ended and how I would have had The Miz cash in on Raw, and it would eventually lead to a story that would be Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania with Sheamus never being beaten by Drew McIntyre. And to be fair, we could still get there. It was a phenomenal forearm that took out Sheamus in the Elimination Chamber. So I I think there are a lot of people counting chickens with Bob Lashley, but Drew McIntyre is rounding up quite a list of enemies in the WWE, but before we get there, let's talk about The Miz. As you guys know, I am a fan of The Miz, the character anyway, the guy. He's not the greatest guy in the world. He's a little bit full of himself. He's he's yelled at me on the air before because of the way he's treated. You know, he, he feels like He deserves to be treated in a certain way. I think that he really considers himself a celebrity, not just a superstar, but a full-on Hollywood A-list celebrity, which I would put him on A-list, but not the A-list. You know what I mean? So The Miz, however, as a character and as a heel in the WWE, I believe in him. There was that one little era that we'll never, ever, ever, ever talk about where The Miz was a good guy, just a, a, a... White meat baby face who did bad figure four leg locks. I have no idea why that even happened on the planet. But I feel like we can erase that from canon and just say The Miz is a heel. The Miz is one of those heels that I think, I think that there is a, a, a a thing that happens sometimes with, with WWE heels where when they're really good, they get underappreciated. That role is not fully appreciated. It's how I feel about Baron Corbin. You all know how much I like Baron Corbin and think that he does what he does better than just about anybody could do it. But people don't appreciate him. 
And part of that is because of the way he's portrayed on the television show. You know, if he were unbeatable or if he won a championship or something like that, then maybe people would see what I see. But that doesn't really happen. However, this isn't Baron Corbin's time. This isn't the time we talk about Baron Corbin. It's the Mrs. Day. It's the Mrs. Week. Or at least at this time. Who knows? By the end of tonight, by the end of Monday, the Miz might not be champion anymore. But right now, the Miz is the champion of the WWE. The Miz? I, I see myself in The Miz. Like, there's just something about him. For some reason, The Miz grew up a WWE fan. Like, you will not find, and there's there's evidence of this, okay? The Miz character debuted on The Real World Season 10, Back to New York. This was on MTV. This was long before. There was, he was not an independent wrestler. He was nobody. He was just a guy on a reality show, the 10th season of The Real World. And one day, the cast went to a Halloween store and they bought, you know, little silly knickknacks and Halloween costume stuff. And he found a toy version of the Winged Eagle championship title. I know the toy version very well. I had it. It was before, you know, up until this point, the only real toy championship titles we had were those lame uh, foam ones that they had in the merchandise catalogs where they didn't even really look like the title and like your little baby brother would end up taking a bite out of it or something like that or it would get ripped or whatever. This was the first one where it came on like this fake leather and they used this like real thin cheap plastic but they actually made plates with the plastic. So it actually felt like, I mean, a very, very cheap version of the real Winged Eagle Championship. And The Miz, he, he purchased this title from the Halloween store and he walked around the house basically doing a bad impression of The Rock, but proclaiming himself to be The Miz. His name's Mike, Mike Mizanin. He called himself The Miz. He was cutting wrestling promos on everybody. He was doing wrestling moves to everybody. And they just did this whole segment of this TV show about what a huge wrestling fan this guy Mike was. Mike Mizanin goes on to do uh, the Real World Road Rules Challenge, still a super popular show. Leo Rush was on this most recent season, as a matter of fact, former uh, WWE Cruiserweight Champion. And and kind of uh, uh, really gets into the athletic side of his entertainment goals, I guess you could say. And as he's doing the real world road rules challenges, he's also, he goes to wrestling school. He starts training to be a wrestler. And then he starts working indies, like not like internet indies, like not to the point where people are going like, oh, he, like he become like he's not, you know, on the tape trading circuit where people are talking about, like he's not Chris Hero. Right. He's not he's he's not one of these guys that you're like, oh, I don't know why he's not reckless youth. OK, but point is, he wants to be a wrestler. And the reason why I see myself in that is because the Miz finally gets to the WWE in 2006. Well, he first he first goes on Tough Enough and it's the season of Tough Enough that Daniel Pewter ends up winning. But Miz makes it all the way down to, I believe, the final three. Uh, and it was the it was the first season of Tough Enough that took place on SmackDown proper. So for the full season of TV, instead of doing a thirty minute or sixty minute show on MTV or USA or one of or Spike, they would take thirty minutes of SmackDown, and they would basically turn it into an episode of Tough Enough, and then they would have live challenges in the ring. 
Uh, Ryback was on this season. The Boogeyman was in the uh, the tryouts for this season. The Boogeyman was great. He was in the ring. How old are you? I'm 30. How old are you? 30. How old are you? 30. What does your driver's license say? I'm 30. Do you have your driver's license? Yes. Pull it out. Okay. What does it say on it? I'm 40. <laughs> but he ended up getting a job. He got thrown off right there, but he ended up getting a job. They saw something in him. And they were right. Man, if he was 40 then. Woo. However, the Miz doesn't win tough enough and probably better off. You know, Daniel Pewter ended up winning that and didn't really do much in the WWE, but he did end up in developmental. Miz ends up, I believe, in Ohio Valley Wrestling. And in 2006, he ends up on the WWE's main roster. And this is where I feel like the Miz and I have these parallel stories that for some reason, there are some people that, I don't know, I guess they're just people people. They're just individuals that people look at and they go, I like that guy. I want to get behind him. I see myself in him. He is living his dream and I want to embrace that. And those of us that are, are do not have that natural gift, that for some reason people look at us and go, man, I'd like to punch that guy in the face. When our dreams come true, simply because we worked hard, people assume that there's some something else going on and they hate us for it. I believe that it's the case with The Miz. I believe it's the case with myself, except for all you beautiful uh, Not Samsonites listening to Not Sam Wrestling right now, especially the shills at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. So 2006, Miz shows up to WWE, and he's terrible. And maybe that's why people disliked him, because he showed up and he was terrible. And it really seemed like the fact that he was on the real world was something that was really, it was giving him an extra opportunity that maybe if he hadn't been on the real world, he either wouldn't have gotten the shot or he certainly wouldn't have gotten as many chances. I mean, there's, there's an absolute disaster on YouTube that I've actually interviewed The Miz and talked to him about. One of my favorite wrestling clips ever, where he was the host. He was brought in to be the Ryan Seacrest of WWE. This is when American Idol was still pretty big. And Ryan Seacrest was, you know, he was, he was, he was the go-to host. He was the young guy. And he was brought in to be the Ryan Seacrest of WWE. But man, during the Divas contest, he's asking people to text in their votes. He doesn't remember the number. He's looking at his sweaty palm. The numbers are, are, are washed off. Text, call your vote. <laughs> uh, call, uh, text in to uh, seven, five, <laughs> um, no, five, seven. It's a disaster on live TV. But he recovered. We saw this guy's growing pains. 2007, he ends up teaming up with John Morrison. And they start working overtime, man. They put together, it's probably the first thing that The Miz did that made people kind of pay attention. It was the dirt sheet. Something that still in 2021 exists. I don't know that it still should exist, but it does still exist in 2021. It's still, it's still there almost every week on Monday Night Raw. Miz and John Morrison, they do it online at first, and it develops a little bit of a following. This is before YouTube was huge. They're doing it on WWE.com. They end up on WWE CW. The Miz is wearing a fedora. He's wearing kind of like jean short type things with a shirt with a picture of a baby chicken and a magnet on it. See, he's a chick magnet, you know. And he's going and he's going. And he's slowly building and he's slowly building. And he's embracing, he's embracing that hateability. He's embracing that part of his personality 
that makes it so that people want to punch him in the face. He's acknowledging it and he's leaning into it. This is a gift. This is something that we should all do, not just in wrestling, but in life. You can't fight the tide, right? You can't swim against the current. Just go with it. Let the current take you. This is the journey that you're on because it's what the ocean has decided. The Miz leaned into it and he was more successful for it. A few years after that, 2010, he wins the money in the bank. I know, deja vu all over again. 2010, he wins the money in the bank. That November, he beats Randy Orton by cashing in. Very opportune time. Randy Orton has just uh, won a match against Wade Barrett. The Miz comes in, and boom, there he is, your WWE champion, spinner belt and all. He ends up spinning the W upside down, so it's an M for The Miz, much like the Mike flags now on Miz TV. So The Miz ends up going to WrestleMania, and something that people forget is, while his title run was not great, you know, I mean— his big opponent, his big rivalry before WrestleMania was with Jerry the King Lawler. He defended the WWE Championship against Jerry the King Lawler. And this isn't even 1993, 1994, 1995 Jerry the King Lawler, who's like in a rivalry with Bret Hart or Roddy Piper. This is not Jerry Lawler, who's still, you know, fresh off of Memphis. This is a Jerry Lawler who's, you know, a lot closer to the end of his career. We'll just put it that way. Not the biggest threat in the world to a WWE champion, to a traditional WWE champion anyway. But he does end up going to WrestleMania 27, probably my least favorite WrestleMania of all time, but he ends up going to WrestleMania 27. And he did beat John Cena for the w to retain the WWE championship. Now, you're probably sitting there going like, I don't remember The Miz as a heel getting to raise his arm in victory at the end of a WrestleMania. No, I mean, technically, The Rock laid out The Miz and John Cena. And at the end of WrestleMania... It really didn't matter who the WWE champion was. It was The Rock raising his hand, uh, which is kind of why I hate that WrestleMania. But regardless, The Miz left WrestleMania the champion. He did lose the title not too shortly thereafter and or not too long thereafter. And that was it for The Miz's WWE champion. Now, he held the Intercontinental Championship a few times after that, and he maintained. He maintained, I mean, you look at that, 2006, 15 years ago. He's been in the WWE for 15 years. You go back and you watch like the Attitude Era stuff. You watch like Mick Foley and Steve Austin and even Undertaker at that time. Guys who it's like, oh yeah, he's been around forever. In 1999, Undertaker been in WWE for nine years. Commentators, oh, Cactus Jack, he's been wrestling for 12 years already. The Miz has been a WWE superstar for 15 years and when I realized that for me well no 10 years ago 2011 I don't think The Miz was anywhere near his peak we go forward a little bit and The Miz kept working and The Miz kept working and The Miz kept working and something happened right around 2016 or so when Maurice showed up back into the picture now we talk about how uh Terrible that uh, debut on the Divas competition was for The Miz, but he did end up meeting his wife on the Divas search, the beautiful Maurice. So really, it's uh, we could probably chalk it up to a win, ultimately. 
But he goes, and 2016-ish, he just hits this whole other level. It's right around the time he goes on Talking Smack, and he just delivers that unbelievable promo right in Daniel Bryan's face. He bested Daniel Bryan behind a microphone. This was post, you know, he had a nice run with Damian Sandow, Ms. Dow. Um, you know, I don't ever think that that ended properly, but while it was happening, it was great. Uh, and then he ends up with, with Maurice and, and really, really hits another level. And I believe in 2016, 2017, right around then, the Miz should never have been drafted to Raw. And the Miz should have been the WWE champion on SmackDown. I think that that was the time for the Miz to be the champion. It didn't end up happening that way. He ended up going to Raw and he found success on Raw, but, you know, never quite passed the Intercontinental title. Now, we reach 2020. We have a Money in the Bank match at Titan Tower. Otis wins. And I'm like, Otis has got to win the title because you can go back to Money in the Bank 2020. You can go back to the Miz's first attempt at cashing in the Money in the Bank uh, a few months ago. I am a strong believer that almost always the Money in the Bank winner has to win the championship and the Money in the Bank winner should not be somebody that you would think would win the championship. It's really like for me, like Brock Lesnar being Mr. Money in the Bank. I mean, it's different because you know that he can come in and spoil things at any time. But realistically with Brock Lesnar, he could do that anyway. There's not going to be a time when Brock Lesnar doesn't, if Brock Lesnar shows up on Raw and he says, I'm here for a WWE championship match, he's going to get it. It doesn't matter how beloved his opponent is. It could be Kofi Kingston right in the middle of just a few months off of Kofi mania. Brock Lesnar's beating him in 30 seconds and Kofi's never going to get the payback. That's just who Brock Lesnar is. But Braun Strowman being Mr. Money in the Bank, I never loved any of that stuff. I never loved the, the when I looked at somebody and said they could be WWE champion without the briefcase, same reason I didn't think The Miz should be in the Elimination Chamber match to begin with. Because why put yourself through an Elimination Chamber match if you already have the briefcase? If you win the Elimination Chamber, you get to become the WWE champion. But I've already got a guaranteed WWE championship match in this briefcase whenever I want. So why don't I just wait till the end of the Elimination Chamber and fight the champion then? It's what The Miz did. So, when The Miz won the Money in the Bank briefcase from Otis, I was happy, and here's why. It became very clear to me that Otis was not going to win the WWE Championship. It seems like a world ago, but in May of 2020, in June of 2020, this was before, is very important, this is before Roman Reigns had returned to the WWE. This is in a pre-Thunderdome world. There was this world. We don't remember how wacky stuff got when COVID, with the first several months of, of, of COVID, the first several months of this pandemic, things got absolutely insane. And in May of 2020, Seven months ago, Otis's WWE champion was a major possibility. 
It was basically what that Money in the Bank briefcase was built to be. Otis had just come off this moment at WrestleMania where he and Mandy finally get together. And clearly it was this moment that had it happened in a stadium would have been huge, huge. That and the Drew McIntyre were the two moments that the live audience was robbed of by not being able, or or the, those two moments were robbed of the live audience because of the pandemic. Now, we didn't realize that Mandy would get drafted to another show for no particular reason, and, and Tucky would get drafted to another show, then turn on Otis, then disappear in his old wrestling tights for no apparent reason. We didn't know all that would happen to Otis. I mean, he's starting to find his ground again with Chad Gable, but no, today, if you started watching wrestling today, and I was like, yeah, maybe Otis is next to be the WWE champion. You'd slap me in the face. You'd say, you don't know what you're talking about, Roberts. I don't know what you're doing with that wrestling podcast of yours. Give it up. Quit. But in May of 2020, it was a real thing. As a matter of fact, you can go, I believe the clip from the podcast is on my YouTube channel. I, I, should, I should delete it. It says, give Otis the WWE championship now. It's a ridiculous premise to come up with in February of 2021, but we're living in a different world. I thought that uh, it, we've had so many fake outs with The Miz that, I, and I think that that's good. I think that you should have fake outs because they, the, the, when the Money in the Bank briefcase is effective, it's every pay-per-view, every title match, every Raw you end up going, I wonder if The Miz is going to cash in. I wonder if The Miz is going to cash in. I wonder if The Miz is going to cash in. And boom, there he was. You know, and I didn't think it was forecasted too much. I think, you know, once Bobby Lashley came out at the end of this match, you realized, okay, I know exactly what this is. I did anyway. You know, we saw The Miz and MVP talking earlier in the night. And it was smart enough that it wasn't right before the chamber match. It was like, you know, an hour, an hour and a half before the chamber match. So it's like, okay, I guess MVP and The Miz are talking. Maybe they got a plan, whatever. And you kind of put it out of your head. And I mean, I'm sitting there and it was really funny. It was like, people were like, oh, something's going to happen. Because I saw multiple people on Twitter. They were like, they either saw confetti hung above the elimination chamber or they saw confetti hit the ring. I love, love that nothing happened with the confetti. Everybody thought they'd figured it all out. And everybody's like, no, I know how the trick is done. Look at the magician's hand. He's like, I'm using my other hand, dick. This is the distraction over here. So when Bob Lashley came out and took out Drew McIntyre, I thought two things. Number one, interesting for Bob Lashley, even though we've already seen this, like Lashley was an opponent for Drew McIntyre early in Drew McIntyre's championship run. But also I went, oh, we're, we're going to see a cash-in tonight. That's why MVP was talking to The Miz. The Miz finally found somebody. He was trying to work something out with AJ Styles for so long. He's trying to work with everybody. Nobody would work with him. Looks like they finally made the arrangement. Now, there was a moment where when McIntyre kicked out of The Miz's DDT, I did think to myself, oh, there is this possibility where this is all just created to make Drew McIntyre look like the unstoppable beast. We might just have The Miz lose the briefcase again, which while that would be a good thing for Drew McIntyre, I'd be sitting there going like, what a waste of time this all was. Why take the briefcase from Otis? 
Why have the Miz lose the briefcase and then give it back to him? Why go through all this if you're just going to have him lose it again anyway? But that was not the case. Because the Miz gets Drew up, hits him with the skull-crushing finale. And for the second time in 365 days, Drew McIntyre has lost the WWE Championship. The Miz is the WWE Champion. Yes, we are living in a time in modern history where in the WWE, if you go to WWE.com and you click on the Superstars tab and you click on Champions, you will see pictures of both The Miz and reggaeton superstar Bad Bunny. The Miz and Bad Bunny are both champions of the WWE Monday Night Raw brand. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's a long time coming for The Miz. I am interested. I, I hope that The Miz makes the most of what I think will be a very short title run. I personally do not think that The Miz will be the WWE champion at WrestleMania. I hope that The Miz is able to hold on to it at least until Fastlane. And then maybe he'll lose it at Fastlane. I would, you would have to imagine, right, if we're living in canon, that Bobby Lashley would have made the deal with the, or MVP would have made the deal with the, with the Miz, that Mr. Bob Lashley is going to get the first title opportunity against the Miz. And that might happen this week on Monday Night Raw. And we may see 24 hours after the Miz wins the WWE title. We may see Bob Lashley become the WWE champion. Look, it all starts to make sense. When you look and you see that Riddle, so Bob Lashley has been kicking Riddle's ass every week. Keith Lee is, for whatever reason, not in the triple threat match at the Elimination Chamber, and I have no idea why Keith Lee wasn't there. I don't know if it's a legit injury. I don't think it's a legit injury. I feel like we would have found out about that before since they're not running live shows. I don't know if it's uh, if it's health-related. I don't know if it's storyline-related. Maybe they just didn't want Keith Lee to take the pin. But they knew that Matt Riddle had to win, and they knew Bob Lashley wasn't going to take the pin. So maybe they just told Keith Lee to sit at home. I don't know. I have no clue. I don't know if we'll ever find out, quite frankly. But Riddle sneaks one in by pinning John Morrison and leaving the United States champion. Bob Lashley is pissed. He was dominant in the match. He never lost the match. However, we can now move on with Riddle, who I think is so much potential. I mean, I think this guy is... If I had a roster, I he would be one of my guys that I'm like, this This is a future superstar right here. This is the guy to keep an eye on. You got Riddle, who is now the North American champion, and Bob Lashley, who I think, I think this was just a creative way to rid him of maybe a United States championship that was becoming an anchor as we wanted to get the character into the WWE Championship conversation. Now, it's not that simple, you know? I think that immediately after seeing this, people go, okay, Miz cashes in, beats Drew McIntyre. Lashley beats Miz. Lashley versus Drew at WrestleMania. 
Could be. The Sheamus storyline is not even close to finish. Sheamus has a victory over Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre did not avenge that loss at the Elimination Chamber. Sheamus pinned Drew in the gauntlet match. Now, maybe you end up having Drew versus Sheamus. I thought, figured it would be Drew versus Sheamus at WrestleMania. Maybe you have Bob Lashley versus The Miz for the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. The winner is the number one contender and gets the WrestleMania Championship match. I don't know if that's where you go to uh, kind of make things right with the with the Sheamus stuff, or you could have Bob Lashley unsuccessfully beat The Miz and have sh- or unsuccessfully face The Miz because of some kind of interference. Maybe Matt Riddle interferes. Maybe you're not done with the Riddle-Lashley rivalry, and then you bring Sheamus back in. Man, personally... I still think that Keith Lee is the guy that should be facing Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. I don't know what has happened to Keith Lee. But the way Keith Lee comes out, first of all, the size of him, his presence, his ability. I mean, I I think Keith Lee is awesome. I think the only thing that doesn't connect about Keith Lee is that every time he speaks, he sounds like he's talking down to you. And every time he speaks, he sounds like he's smarter than you. And I feel like it's another case of maybe going with the tide, you know? Maybe if you, maybe, because it's probably not his intention to do that, but the way he comes out and he speaks like this makes me believe that Keith Lee thinks he's smarter than I am. And it's like, if you have that innate ability that you could be talking about anything, and you just send out vibes that you think you're smarter than people. I mean, I think that when I speak, there are times, and some of you are going to be shocked to hear this. I have a bit of a hint of condescension in my tone. I've been accused of sounding condescending, even when I don't mean to. So guess what? I don't fight that. I don't try it. I don't sit there and go, uh, Oh, man, I got to work on sounding less condescending. I go, what a gift the good Lord has graced me with. I could be condescending without even trying. Oh, I'm going to use that to my advantage. And then I go on a kickoff show and I say some stuff that's unflattering. And for some reason, coming out of my mouth with my tone, oh, is it more annoying than it would be from anybody else. And I end up a trending topic for every WWE pay-per-view for a year. A year, all the pay-per-views starting in January of what, 2019, I want to say? Yeah, a year. And I think you can include the NXT shows too. That's the level that I was operating on at that time, okay? But this isn't about me. It's a pretty great time though. But this isn't about me. This is about the fact that, that I think Keith Lee's got it in him to be a great heel, that could do such great work as a heel that eventually he would become that sort of baby face that everybody appreciates. But right now, lean into it, man. I think, you know, you got to start, you got to start working right now. But you could tell a great story between Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre. 
Maybe it'll be Bob Lashley, you know? I mean, fact is, Drew has Drew beaten Bob, but, but, that was very early in Drew's title run. And Lashley has improved. This is the best Lashley we've ever seen in WWE today. The Hurt Business has only improved and improved and improved and improved. That's why when I see, like, Shelton and Cedric kind of bickering with each other, I'm like, don't mess up a good thing, man. There's no reason to break up the Hurt Business. I saw a great tweet. Somebody said, MVP is walking on crutches from holding up Raw for the last year on his back. MVP has been doing the best work of his career in the last 365 days. And so is Bob Lashley. And so is everybody. The Hurt Business has been must-see television. And I think that you could tell a story. Now would be the best time to tell that story with Lashley and Drew McIntyre. And I think that that will look like two superstars heading onto this platform. And it is what I ask for all the time. It is full-time roster members. I'm always looking for something that's a, a little bit fresher, I think. You know, guys that maybe... Who would have thought two years ago they'd be at WrestleMania and now they're in the headline? That's maybe why I start to drift towards Keith Lee. But I'm not against Lashley versus Drew. I'm not against Sheamus versus Drew if the story is right. And the story has to start immediately. The story has to start right now. And I'll tell you why the story has to start right now. Because on top of shame, uh, of Drew McIntyre, Losing the WWE Championship tonight and getting his face, his skull crushed against the mat. And I mean, The Miz beat him. The Miz beat him. Like, here's the thing. If The Miz had pinned him the first time, if there had been no kick out, then you could say, oh, Drew McIntyre is barely conscious from the beating that he just took in the Elimination Chamber. But to me as a fan, the fact that Drew McIntyre kicked out meant that he still had some gas in the tank. And then the Miz beat it out of him. I think it makes the Miz look stronger that Drew kicked out the first time and the Miz was still able to win. It actually adds more credibility to the Miz's victory that Drew McIntyre kicked out that first time. So not only... Drew... Drew has a lot that he's got to overcome, okay? Drew has now lost the title twice. He can't hold on to the damn thing. In a year, he's lost it twice. That's a lot in, uh, in, in, in 2021. There was a time when they would pass around that heavyweight championship all over the place. But now, that main title does not get swapped around like it used to. Losing it twice when it's your first time in that sitting on that throne is a lot. As I said, I think the kickout tonight actually added to the credibility of The Miz winning. When The Miz shows up on, on Monday Night Raw, Drew's got nothing to say. The Miz said, I'm going to cash in. You know I'm going to cash in. I'm here. I have my briefcase. I'm telling you I'm going to cash in. I'm telling you leave some in the tank for me. I'm telling you be ready for me. If I knew there was a good possibility of The Miz cashing in tonight, Drew in canon should have known there was a good possibility of The Miz cashing in tonight, all right? So Drew is the one that made the mistake here. The Miz didn't do anything wrong. 
Drew screwed up. Again, second time in his title run, reign in the last year. All right? On top of that, the way the beginning of the night went, I thought the first Elimination Chamber match was great. I was bummed that Daniel Bryan lost in a minute. You know, I mean, it was clearly Bryan sacrificing himself for the Roman Reigns edge story going into WrestleMania. And I think it ultimately made Roman and Edge look like a bigger deal. Roman versus Edge now looks like a bigger match than the entire SmackDown roster combined. And I think that that was the purpose. So while it's very not great for Daniel Bryan, and if you're a Daniel Bryan fan, probably a bummer, but in terms of just that match, it does put that match on an entirely different level, which I think is really good. However, that match being on that other level and all the conversation that happened, Friday's SmackDown is key to all of this. Every conversation was about the quote-unquote main event of WrestleMania. Michael Cole asking Paul Heyman on commentary, Paul, if Edge doesn't pick Roman Reigns, then Roman won't be in the main event. Paul Heyman saying, whatever match Roman Reigns is in, that's the main event of WrestleMania. As of today, as of right now, this could change by Friday on SmackDown. As of right now, the story going in to Edge versus Roman Reigns is that Edge picked Roman Reigns to be his WrestleMania opponent because that's the biggest WrestleMania match that he could pick. And that's true. Today, Edge versus Roman Reigns is, a, is the biggest WrestleMania match you could pick. But what that also says is that Roman is the guy, not Drew. That's something that Drew has to overcome because the fact is that even if the story here is you're trying to give Drew his moment, you're trying to give Drew his crowning moment, you want Drew to finally win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania again and have it happen this time in front of however many, I think they got 22,000 in to Raymond James Stadium for the Super Bowl. So you want it to happen in front of 22,003 fans. You want that reaction to happen live for Drew McIntyre. However, a year ago, in front of nobody, there was no question about who the number one person was. Even Roman Reigns versus Goldberg, which was the advertised match, it ended up being Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. Drew McIntyre, after winning the Royal Rumble in 2020, Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 36. When you look at that card before COVID, before pandemic, before anything, Drew versus Brock was the biggest match on the show. Drew versus Rock was a bigger match than Roman versus Goldberg. I would argue that Edge versus Randy was also a bigger match than Roman versus Goldberg. That one you could argue, but I do not think you can argue that the biggest match at WrestleMania 36 was Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. So if we want to give Drew that moment back, we need to work 
double time to tell a story with whoever the opponent is, whether it's Bob Lashley, whether it's Sheamus, whether it's Keith Lee, whether it's The Miz. A story needs to be told that allows us to say, at least to argue, this is the main event for WrestleMania. You're not going to get to a place where it's the undisputed main event of WrestleMania, quite frankly. It's not going to happen. Edge versus Roman is too big. But you absolutely, and you have to start immediately weaving a story together. And I believe you already have started. The foundation of the story is there. But you have to start building this story that is going to catapult Drew McIntyre versus whoever his opponent is in Drew's quest to regain the WWE Championship, that that is the true main event for WrestleMania. And I'm interested to see it happen. Now, who knows? We never know what's going to happen. The thing about WWE is, I don't believe that WWE knows what's going to happen. I don't think there's anybody that really can tell you what's going to happen. If you're listening to this on Monday morning, I don't even know if there's anybody that really knows what's going to happen tonight on Raw. If you're listening to this after Raw, I doubt there's anybody that knows what's going to happen next week yet. And they certainly don't know for sure, for sure, for sure what's going to happen at WrestleMania. Can I say 100% that Drew McIntyre will not be the champion come WrestleMania? No. Mm -mm. There's no way. There's no way. Is it outside of the realm of possibility that Drew McIntyre beats The Miz at some point and goes into WrestleMania as the champion? Huge. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is absolutely a possibility. That is absolutely on the table. It's a terrible idea. There is nothing impressive about somebody that loses and regains titles with the quickness. I've never been impressed by that. Yeah, but I only lost it for a day. All right, well, if you were that good, you wouldn't have lost it for the day. Champions are supposed to win. That's why they're the champion of things. Who's to say you're not going to lose it for another day? Especially since you've already lost it. I mean, you know, so that could happen. However, I doubt it. I Or I'm hopeful it doesn't. I'm hopeful it doesn't. I would like to see the Miz either keep the title up until Fastlane or drop it right away to Bob Lashley. And that might be the move. I mean, it might be the move to have the Miz lose the title to Bob Lashley 24 hours after winning it. And then to have Lashley just completely on a reign of terror heading into WrestleMania. And that way you already know that Lashley is your WWE champion. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And then maybe Drew's got to earn a couple of W's before he can actually, he's got to earn the WrestleMania spot. That might be the story to tell, that you put the title on Lashley ASAP. And then Drew's got to earn his way back into a WrestleMania opportunity. And when he finally does, Lashley's been on this reign of terror the whole time. And it's like, bro, you can't beat me. And who knows, by that point, we fans may have all fallen in love with Bob Lashley. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. But I'm anxious to see it happen. Uh, I was happy for Riddle, as I said. I thought he was great. Uh, the women's tag was the women's tag, you know. Um, I'm not not interested in the story with Carmella's uh, 
Cavarcier or whatever the word is, whatever the wine aficionado word is. Um, I, I, I'm not not interested in the Reginald storyline. Um, but I really, I don't know. I, I figured Shayna and Nia would retain the Women's Tag Team Championship. We talked about this a little bit on Patreon for the people that are superstar and Hall of Fame level shills before every pay-per-view. Uh, if I'm not booked... People were like, why weren't you on the Elimination Chamber pre-show? Well, for one thing, I wasn't booked. People were like, do you even want to be on the Elimination Chamber pre-show? I was like, I'd rather be on the Elimination Chamber pre-show than breathe. But when I'm not booked, I meet up with the uh, Superstar and Hall of Fame level shills at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. And uh, we do a Zoom meeting where we just kind of break down the pay-per-view and everything. And I was saying that, oh, yeah, I mean, I did not think that Nia and Shayna were going to lose the tag title tonight because I figured that they will be the team that goes to NXT uh, to face Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. But I did think that this the purpose of tonight's match was going to be to start the road to WrestleMania. Now, I'm still confused as to why Reginald is, uh, is there. I mean, is Sasha Banks going to acquire his services? Is... Maybe he'll cost Bianca Belair a match, and then Bianca Belair will blame that on Sasha Banks. I don't know what all is going on. But, you know, I, I, I thought there would be a little bit more storytelling done that would lead us to some friction between Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, but I guess we got SmackDown for that. And I don't know what is going on with our Raw Women's Champion. She had no match at all. Lacey Evans is shoot pregnant. I don't know if it's shoot Ric Flair's baby. I think the I think Ric Flair's baby is a gimmick baby, but she's also pregnant with a shoot baby. And uh, so she's not wrestling. And I don't know why they decided. I mean, I was fine with it. I don't I don't mind a, a pay-per-view ending early. I would have liked to see an Asuka match, to tell you the truth. I'd like to see somebody face Asuka, uh, but maybe nobody was ready. I think that was what they found out. They were like, uh, who's going to be facing Asuka tonight? Unfortunately, nobody is ready for Asuka. Ah, with a no Raw Women's Championship match. Uh, it seems like that puts a monkey wrench into WrestleMania plans, though. It really felt like, for better or worse, we were heading to Lacey Evans versus uh, Charlotte. And clearly that's not going to happen. So maybe they will go with Charlotte versus Asuka, even though we've seen it before at WrestleMania. Um, or maybe they're still trying to figure out what to do. I mean, I don't know what you've got on Raw, unless unless the man is going to come around and Becky Lynch comes back or Ronda Rousey is going to come back. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with that Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen a, um, a Women's Championship match, a Raw Women's Championship match at the pay-per-view. I mean, I would have been fine seeing a SmackDown Women's Championship match too, but we saw Sasha Banks in action, so it was okay. I hope you guys, by the way, watched the eliminate the Ultimate Elimination Chamber show. If you didn't, it's up on the WWE Network and on the WWE's YouTube channel. Myself, Matt Camp, one of the people who was featured prominently on Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network, as well as Ryan Papola from WWE's The Bump. We uh, basically... The three of us concocted a list of six men and then of six women or vice versa. Six women and then of six men who would be like an ultimate 
Elimination Chamber match. And then they gave me the pencil. That's my new role on these things. They give me the pencil. And I uh, basically argue with uh, Matt Camp and Ryan Popola until they just let me completely do things the way I want to do them. Uh, and we fantasy book the ultimate men's and the ultimate women's ro- uh, uh, ultimate elimination chamber matches. It was super fun. Um, and I think you'll get a kick out of it if you get a kick out of what we do here. So check that out on the WWE's YouTube channel. Um, speaking of super fun. I saw, and I even saw, I had to tweet it. I usually, I try not to get in the mud with these things. You know, I'm going to tell you something right now. I love, love, love little wrestling dirt sheet gossip. I love when like this, you know, wrestling news reporter is tweeting shots at that wrestling news reporter and they don't get along and stuff like that. I love that stuff. But I love gossip of all sorts. So I love seeing it. I see all of it. You know, I try to keep up and I I look through all the people and everything. But this one I had to get involved in because I saw it like Dave Meltzer, like, I guess questioning why WWE would would do what they're doing with Bad Bunny the way they put the 24-7 championship on him. I mean, first of all, anybody that's sitting there going like, this is, you know, it devalues the championship. It's the 24-7 championship. It's been held by such greats as some NASCAR guy who was sitting in the front row, a Fox sports reporter, Peter Rosenberg, Wesley Snipes almost won it once. We found that out on the podcast here from R-Truth himself. Um... Gerald Briscoe won it. Kelly Kelly won it. Not taking anything away from Gerald Briscoe or Kelly Kelly, but, you know, I think Gerald Briscoe, they they couldn't even show him actually going for the pin because probably not the easiest thing in the world to get up and down at that point in his life. But it's what, it's literally what the title was designed to be. You know, it's a goof title. It's always been a goof title. It never lost credibility. It never had credibility. This is what it's designed for. It's the entertainment title. It's designed so that you can go off campus. I mean, literally, R-Truth lost the title in Times Square on New Year's Eve. One time, a shark almost ate it. That's the 24-7 championship, all right? WWE was just smart enough to design a title where they didn't have to worry about it. They looked at what happened with David Arquette, and they said, oh, man. We can't let our titles lose that much credibility. Well, what if we just invented one that didn't have any? That way we could do whatever we wanted with it. They said this is brilliant, and it is brilliant. So there is no issue of the title losing credibility. And I only bring up Dave Meltzer not to rag on him, but because I think it's reflective of some people that feel this way. Now, I'm not one of these people. A lot of people are getting like real high and mighty. Like I think that there are some people in the wrestling community that like really feel some kind of way over the fact that they have any kind of knowledge of pop culture outside of wrestling? Well, if you don't think that Bad Bunny is famous, you're just showing your own ignorance. You should know who Bad Bunny is. He's so famous. And if you don't know who he is, you're a big wrestling dork. Not like me. I listen to popular music and watch a lot of wrestling. Like, come on. I don't think all wrestling fans should know who Bad Bunny is. The same way I've had, there have been professional athletes 
Dude, I literally met George Kittle. I know who George Kittle is now. I sat next to George Kittle at a watch along. It was me, Pat McAfee. I didn't know anything about Pat McAfee before I did a takeover pre-show with him. I still don't get what the big deal. I guess he kicked a football with the Super Bowl. Big whoop. I don't care. Like, there are people who are like, bro, George Kittle follows you on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, because I met him and I didn't know who he was. Now I do. Now I, I'm, I think he's the man. I got so much respect for George Kittle now, but I didn't know who he was. And I'm not sitting there going like, well, I'm a wrestling guy and you should not. It doesn't matter if I know. It's just like, yeah, I have my wheelhouses. I have the things that I like, you know? But that's not to say that everybody that watches pro wrestling should also know who all the top 40 artists are or should know who all the reggaeton artists are or anything like that. There's no reason why every wrestling fan should know who Bad Bunny is. Whether they're old or young. There's young people who don't know who he is. It is what it is. That's, it's the, the world that we live in now means that every famous person is not known by every person. You could be famous with some people not knowing who you are. It's okay. And it's okay for the people. So I don't have any disrespect if you don't know who this guy is. I do, but I work in radio. I stay up on pop culture. It's part of my job. But you can't assume that just because you don't know who he is, he's not relevant. You know what I mean? That's where it's like, okay, that's right. Like that, that to assume that he's not relevant because you don't know who he is, that's where it's like, you, you might have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because now you are kind of talking out of turn, you know? Now it's like, what do you, you don't you don't know that which you speak of. It's okay to be like, oh, I don't know who that guy is, so I don't know, he doesn't mean anything to me, but I guess he must be a big deal. That's fine. But to be like, no, that guy, he's he's nobody. That's not true. I mean, you I maybe it's hard to believe that. He's extremely relevant and famous and popular. But you don't know who, he, maybe maybe that's hard for you to realize that you don't know, you're not up on everything, but it, you have to be okay with it. You have to be okay with the fact that you're not up on everything. But most people are up on Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny is a, a tremendously successful, huge, famous recording artist. Bad Bunny has only brought positivity to the WWE since getting there. Bad Bunny has, I mean, he took a song that was not a wrestling song. It's a mainstream song. It's a hit single. And he called it Booker T and he put Booker T in the music video. Any big famous musical artist that wants to put my, that wants to give my wrestling heroes that platform, they're okay in my book. I say, all right, you're one of us. This is great. And then you watch Bad Bunny on the show and clearly like he's such a fan of everything that he's doing. He's so, res he, he appears to be so respectful of the business. He's not trying to make it about himself. He's just like, he feels like a kid in a candy store. And, and, and the fact that it comes from that honest place makes it so that I like it even more. But you've got to understand, guys like this Bad Bunny, are getting paid sick amounts of money to just mention something in an Instagram story. You just show yourself using a product in an Instagram story. I mean, 
it's more money than most of us make in a year for a single Instagram story. And you go on his Instagram and he's sitting there posting everything that he does on Raw. Posting pictures of himself in New York in the snow playing with the 24-7 championship. And then you get to SNL and you don't even have you don't have to be a fan of SNL to understand that SNL is a big show. Like it just is, right? It's an institution. And you turn on SNL and he's performing a song holding the WWE 24-7 championship. The WWE 24-7 championship is on SNL being held with pride by the musical guest on SNL. And anybody thinks that that's not an awesome thing. Anybody thinks that that's not a good thing for WWE. Anybody thinks that that's not a coup. If you don't, if you're just a wrestling fan, that's fine. But if you pretend to know anything about the business and you don't think that this is a coup, you don't think that WWE really pulled something off here, you're an idiot. Yeah. Anybody that analyzes the business and doesn't think to themselves like, whoa, this is a big get. You're a moron. This is a huge get for WWE. And Damian Priest has come in looking better than most of the NXT rookies have in the last year or two. Because he's in this great story with, with Bad Bunny. And it's working and it's great. But I was so happy to see that 24-7 championship on SNL. We should be championing for more mainstream coverage of WWE and of pro wrestling. Look, one of the things that made the Attitude Era, the, people look at the Attitude Era like it's the golden standard, and the TV shows weren't even all that great in the Attitude Era. There were moments that were unbelievable. But, like, if you watch full shows, you're like, oh, this is kind of a mess at points. But that's fine. Because wrestling was cool. And WWE was cool. It was one of the cool things. South Park was cool. Wrestling was cool. Eminem was cool. He's the coolest artist in the world. And you know what he said? I'm interesting. The best thing since wrestling, investing in your kids' ears and nesting. The best thing since wrestling. You know what that means? Wrestling is effing awesome. Okay? We're not there. Like, you're not going to hear in 20... That's just a simple truth. In 2021, you're not going to hear a rapper go, wrestling is the coolest thing on TV right now. You're going to hear rappers talk about wrestling from 15 years ago. It just is what it is. So when you get a musical artist that is cool and contemporary and relevant that goes, you know what's badass? WWE, by the way, I'm the 24-7 champion. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is awesome. Hell yeah, it's awesome. Yes. Let's get back to that place where people are sitting there going like, no, Bad Bunny thinks wrestling is cool. So wrestling must be cool. Let's get there. We're not that far off. I mean, that, that is kind of how these things work. That's why people get paid for these social media endorsements because that's how people's brains work. So I loved seeing it. I thought it was great. I wanted to have a conversation with you guys real quick about new kayfabe. There was discussions about new kayfabe, of course, on Wednesday, and we talked 
on Wednesday specifically about the Kyle O'Reilly thing. Every Thursday, we do a podcast called Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. It's an exclusive Not Sam Wrestling podcast that is only available at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. If you want to get the second podcast every week, it's less than a dollar a week. Sign up for any tier at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, and you'll have access to every Thursday podcast that ever comes out. Uh, but I, obviously, one of the things that we talked about was the Kyle O'Reilly thing and all the controversy. You know, Kyle O'Reilly, of course, on, on Wednesday night, and, and, and it's an old story now. But Kyle O'Reilly on Wednesday night, uh, he got jumped on NXT. Adam Cole DDT'd him on the steel steps. And the first reports were that he was legit knocked out and he started seizing and he was legit taken out on a stretcher. And then word got out that, no, this was all part of a storyline and people were overreacting. So the question was, is this new kayfabe? New kayfabe is a concept we've been exploring on the show a lot. Go back to two weeks ago. I did a whole soliloquy a whole explanation as to what exactly new kayfabe is. Get on board with this because this is the new way of storytelling in wrestling. Kayfabe is not dead. Is Kyle O'Reilly and the seizure story, is that new kayfabe? The answer is no. That is definitely not new kayfabe. The reason that people thought that that injury was real is because they got erroneous audience reports. The reason the audience reports were erroneous is because a couple of 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 nudniks saw Kyle O'Reilly get taken out on a stretcher and thought it was real. That's not new kayfabe. That's actually old kayfabe. Like that's the way Andy Kaufman did it in in the seventies. Like that's that's old kayfabe. So, or maybe it was the eighties. So, that's that's old kayfabe, and then social media doing what social media does, just starting a tornado based on misinformation. That has nothing to do with new kayfabe. You want to know what new kayfabe is? I'll tell you what new kayfabe is. Late last week, Fox puts out a report, not a report, a tweet, the WWE on Fox Twitter account. They put out a tweet that says, make your own uh, team. And it, it's one of those things, and, and, and they, I've seen them do this with sneakers. They do it with other sports and everything, where it's like you have uh, five rows, $5, $4, $3, $2, $1. And in each of those rows is a list of women. And it says you have $15. So you could pick three women from the five. There's, there's probably like four or five of each. So you can pick three women from the $5 row. You've got your team right there. You could pick one from the $5 row, one from the three, one from the two, yeah, so, and so on and so forth. So, people got pissed at this. And this is coming right off of uh, uh, old Ryan Satin doing his, uh, I, I, I guess, his, his ranking. He, he did a ranking on the WWE on Fox site where it's basically like, here's who's better than who right now. And some of the talent objected on Twitter. Who the hell are you to say? I work my ass off. Fox ended up deleting this tweet because it went crazy viral. Fans got upset. Talent got upset. It was awful. There were some that said, why is everybody overreacting? This is a thing that's done. I think that the problem was that this was a mistimed tweet. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with it. But I think that, I think that 
because it wasn't attached to an event, it was just a ranking for ranking's sake, people got in their feelings about it, which it's like, okay. But here's the thing. My opinion, people get in their feelings about it. You just fell into new kayfabe, brother. You just fell completely into new kayfabe. Here's what happens. We start seeing, oh, what? I worked my ass off. We start seeing fans of these women that are getting ranked as a dollar, as $2. You had like Natalia and Liv Morgan being ranked as like a dollar each or $2 each or whatever it was, low on the list. And Liv Morgan tweeted out some great tweet, something snide. And she mentioned like Ryan Satin's list. I thought it was hilarious. I love taking a shot back. Nothing I love more than that. Somebody takes a shot at you, take a shot right back. I think it's great. Natalia posted something about how hard she's been working and everything. And it got everybody into a firestorm about how mad they were and how it's disrespectful to the talent and disrespectful to the performers. This is completely new kayfabe. This is exactly what you should be doing with this type of information. When an official tweet goes out from the network that you're on and it ranks you low, you should be trying to mobilize your audience. You should be trying to, trying to get that underdog support and trying to start a conversation about how much you don't deserve to be low on that list. And that's exactly what happened. If you look... Uh, after SmackDown, when we saw Natalia and Tamina debut as a tag team, not debut as a tag team, but kind of re-debut as a tag team, which I thought were great. I love this new Tamina. I love her new gear. I love her attitude. You know, I'm ready for a, for a, 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 a new wave of Tamina. But Tamina and Natalia did a, a WWE digital promo right after SmackDown, uh, where they basically, Natalia said, I don't care what anybody says about our value. We're going to prove exactly what that is. And I go, boom, there you go. Now you're using that tweet in a, in a wrestling promo. Now we're molding it all together. Is this real? Is this fake? It doesn't matter. It's new kayfabe. It's real to you. You got upset because they ranked a wrestler that you liked low on the list. And then the wrestler fought against it. But they did it on Twitter. Is that the real person or is that the character fighting against it? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Bro, when Kevin Pollack started taking shots at me, Kevin Pollack, the actor, he took shots at me, not in a, in a wrestling vein, but in a radio vein. He's making fun of the way I, my voice, he's, you know, taking shots. You know what I thought to myself? I mean, do you think I care? Do you really think I care? The amount of people that take shots at me, do you really think that I care? I spend an ounce of time thinking about this. The answer is no. But when you're thinking new kayfabe all the time, which is the way I live my life, my life is new kayfabe, okay? I'm sitting there going, Kevin Pollack is like a celebrity. Kevin Pollack is famous. Kevin Pollack is in all these movies. And he's talking about me? <laughs> I'm going to run this into the ground. I'm going to take that wave and take the energy that he's put out there and turn this in, in my favor. I'm going to start a rivalry over this because there's no way I lose. Even if everybody agrees with Kevin Pollack, it's still Kevin Pollack and all of his, you know, followers or whatever having a conversation about me. And if people agree with me that they're like, why is Kevin Pollack talking about Sam? It makes him look worse. I mean, it's perfect. It couldn't be more perfect. So that's the way I saw it when WWE on Fox 
is tweeting and they realize like, you know, there could have been some women on the WWE roster that tweeted something out like, oh, it's okay. Like we do a public performance and, and I don't think Fox, uh, WWE on Fox meant anything by it, but nobody did that. Not one person tweeted that. You know why? It's better, way better for business. If you're like, yeah, screw you. I'm worth a lot more than you think I am. As a matter of fact, I'll see you with the Omni this Saturday. It's a wrestling promo, guys. It's new kayfabe. Come on. Get with it. Get with the times. All right, everybody. I appreciate you guys hanging out. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you enjoyed Elimination Chamber. We'll be back on Thursday for Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, if you're a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, and all the other great content that we put out under the Not Sam banner all the time, every week. I've got a great interview with uh, Renee Paquette. I ran the audio here on the podcast last week, but that's up on the Not Sam YouTube channel uh, and more content to come. Have a good one, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.